Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Not every conversation will change your life, but any conversation can. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. It's Tuesday, December 6, 2016, and I'm here with my sisters, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Julie, I understand you have breaking cottage cheese news. <laughs> yes, this is going to help the cottage cheese comeback that we are, we've are we launched here at Satellite Sisters. I You want to listen up for this, okay? Yeah, there's a lot of news happening in the world. But we have all your cottage cheese news here at Satellite Sisters. Liz Dolan on the show today. Hey, Liz, what's happening there? Good. I'm very excited. I'm having a little holiday soiree at my house tonight and got things done around the home yesterday. Hung some pictures. My Christmas tree arrived. My little mini tree from Harry and David. Things are good here in Santa Monica. Wow, Liz, entertaining. It's a whole new you, Liz. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. Are you well, here's the thing about entertain. That to entertain at home, you have to be at home. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so that's what's all new for me. New lifestyle. Are you serving cottage cheese, Liz? Oh, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Okay. All right, we have right. a full show today. Last week, Julie was actually invited to some sort of international summit about North Korea. So we have a full North Korea report. You're not going to get that on every podcast. Also, uh, big news from Amazon, big news coming out of the Nobel Prize world. We're on fire with picks and pans. We have books and movie reviews. And then if you have college kids coming home for Christmas break, I have a list of 31 things they can be doing instead of lying on the couch playing video games. So I'm not, <laughs> not going to read all 31, but a couple of these I thought were excellent, excellent ideas. Uh, but Liz, you actually, I'm concerned. Now you went to a, an, an expo this weekend. Did you hurt yourself? Tell, tell the people what happened, Liz. Well, here's the thing. Uh, maybe I should read your list of 31 things college students can do when they're home on break, just because I am sort of on permanent break right now, and I'm looking for things to do, Leanne. So when I heard when I heard the announcement on the news that down at the Santa Monica Pier, in the big parking lot there at the pier, they were having an electric bike expo, I thought, you know what? I am going to take that in. I am curious about these electric bikes. Monica and I have talked about electric bikes. She wanted to try renting one. I think there's an electric bike tour of Bend she was going to go on. Anyway, so I, I went down there on Sunday. They had 100 different models of electric bikes that you could test. Some of them, like one brand name was Easy Motion. I thought that sounded a little bit too much like comfort shoes, you know. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of. It does not sound Some like it should, it should be a wheelchair. Lace yeah, up, yeah. Lace up models yeah. with a thick sole. Yeah, easy motion. So at one end of the spectrum, easy motion, I skipped that. At the other end of the spectrum was Stromer, mm. which just sounded too well engineered. Too me. German, too German for you, Liz. Exactly. Liz, Liz, were you wearing a helmet? That's what I want to know. Did you bring a bike helmet with you? I don't own a bike, so I don't own a bike helmet, but they issue every user a helmet, Julie. Okay, you know, like, okay. When you sign in at the front gate, the first thing they do is fit you with the helmet, which, of course, I'm always embarrassed because I don't know which is the front or the back, but whatever. <laughs> but, uh, so so here, are the brands I, here are the brands that I tested. One was a super high-tech brand called LBELBY, made right here in El Segundo. California. So I thought, I almost said to the guy, well, why aren't you named Elsie? Like, yeah, you know, El <laughs> it's just the brand manager in you, Liz. You just can't help yourself, right? But I, I could help myself, Julie. I did not say that. So I, I tested Elby. I tested, of course, Raleigh because who makes bikes? Raleigh makes bikes. Right. right? I mean, when, you, when I think bikes, I think Raleigh. So, and then I tested Bosch because they make my dishwasher, which I enjoy a lot. <laughs> right. And you know, it's been running without any problem for 10 years. So I tried. And you uh, don't even rinse your dishes. Yeah. No, yeah. right. <laughs> I really put my. Hey, thanks for adding that, Julie. That... <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't, Leanne. 
<laughs> it's She's not one necessary, person. Julie. She's one person. Okay. It's, yeah, it's just not necessary. Ten years, it's still working. Anyway, so um, so what they they, they, they just give you the bikes. You know, there were people there like, sure, what do you want to try? Then you take it out onto this closed course, which is why it's in the big parking lot at the pier, where you can go around in circles. You can go up over a hill. They did have a terrain test. You know, that said experts only. So I did not go there. Uh, <laughs> Good thing. That was... That was like bumpy things you could ride over because they have like electric mountain bikes, which to me, that seems to kind of defeat the purpose of mountain biking. But yeah, whatever. That's cheating. So, yeah. So they they had all different kinds of the e-bikes. You know, some of them are just look like regular bikes. Some of them look like beach cruisers. I really had a lot of fun. So especially when you're going up that hill, just to be able to juice it, just <laughs> juice it a little bit. The, but do you have to pedal at all? Is, yes. Do you get any exercise yes. on an electric? You do. Bike? Most of the, I think half of the ones I tried you have to pedal for the engine to kick in at all. So okay. it's not like a little moped. There's, okay. you know, that would be more like a moped. No, all of these required some pedaling. Um, all of them, they would explain to me how everything worked with the engine. And then they would say, oh, of course, over here on the right, you have the derailleur. Uh, so you know how to operate that. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been a while since I really shifted gears on a bike. So I actually had a hard, harder time with the derailleur than I did with the motor because the motor is just up, 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 down, down, down. Anyway, I I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was really fun. Is, is it battery? Are these battery electric yes. engines? Yes, Liz? they are. Okay. They are batteries, okay. Julie. They, okay. And different. The prices of the bikes sort of depend on how advanced the battery is. Like one of these, the LB, the uh, the range was like. 80 miles. I said to the guy, there's no way I'm ever going 80 miles. <laughs> so, Are like... you allowed to take those on the LA freeway? Can you take electric bikes on the freeway? No. Not yet, but I'm sure it's inevitable. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would never leave the city limits of Santa Monica. That's the whole point. Santa Monica is extremely bike friendly. But when the guy said 80 miles, I was imagining, say, riding from my house in Santa Monica Leon, to your to house. my house. house, right. It's like, how, what road would you even be on that you would want to do that? I think I you, s- can, you can do it. You could go across, like, Wilshire, Liz, all the way yeah. into downtown, and then come up out but, of downtown on the back streets. You could do it. You could do it. Yeah, but why? I, I know. I, I, I well, because you got time to kill, Liz. What else are you doing? Yeah, cause That's you true. Do but that's uh, when I would take the new expo line, Julie. See, now that we have public transportation, I have time to kill, and I can go take that, too. Ah. So, but if you were, say you commuted to a job around West LA somewhere, you know, or anyone name your city, like if you didn't have too far to go and you didn't have winter, you know, right, right. <laughs> I'm or not a sure. Lot I, of rain, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so here's what I, the one that I liked the best was actually the dishwasher brand for me. <laughs> I thought the Bosch and it was one of those towny bikes. Have you seen that brand around? They no. make, anyway. I I don't, I'm not interested in bikes at all. I haven't been on a bike in 20 years. (laughs) Yeah, but tell us, tell us, what's so special about a towny bike here? Well, you're really kind of upright and the big cushy seat. It's like everything you would want in a bicycle you have in this. It's not, it, it feels very comfortable. And the upright thing was the most important thing to me. But Lee, and I think what you said really puts your finger on, where I landed at the end of several hours, I had to ask myself, if I haven't ridden a bike in 15 years, right. I, d- I did once right. a couple weeks, a couple months ago, I tested the, the free bikes around Santa Monica. Now the, if I haven't had any instinct to ride a bike in the last 15 years, would an e-bike really be that much different than just a bike? Yeah. And my guess is no, like I wouldn't, I would never think I wouldn't use it enough. So the the thing I'm going to try to do, I'm going to pick a week, say after the new year, and I think I should just rent one for a week and see if I enjoy it and actually use it around town. Yeah. Because if I would use it, it would be great. One of my neighbors in my building has one and, you know, I see a, she's out grocery shopping, but, you know, all of that stuff. Would I do, could you imagine me doing that? Well, maybe, because if you just went grocery shopping, I know you said at one point you were thinking you might want to give up your car in L.A. Yeah. And, yeah. and so maybe this is what you, what you need. Yeah. Okay. So 
So that is my report. I think if you like biking, these things would be great. If you don't like biking, they might still be great, but I don't know. And they range in price, by the way, between like $1,500 and $3,900. Yeah, so it's a, serious, it's a serious investment. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. buy one. It's not like buying a regular bike and then staring at it in the garage and feeling guilty every time. This would make you feel super guilty. <laughs> Yeah. You didn't actually use it. So so that's my report. Maybe I'll try a test week. For those people have written to me on the, you know, in the Facebook group that they were very interested in this. So I would say if you are interested, you should go try them out because they are they are a lot of fun to ride around and very comfortable and easy. So there you go. E-bike. It might be good for all your house guests, Liz. Then you wouldn't have to lend them your car. You could just say, here, you can take this bike. It's part of the lifestyle. So, yeah. Yeah. Or I'm just Uber. a walker. I'm just a walker. I mean, my, our mother made us ride our bikes everywhere, and it scarred yeah. me. So I'm done. I think <laughs> it scarred you. That's... Yeah, well, it did. So <laughs> I think I'm a walker. I am mainly a walker, but a lot of it is because I have a dog. Right. Yeah. Like, if you didn't have a dog, I have to sort of whisper this because Ferris is laying down right now. <laughs> yeah, that, would, that would really but, hurt But, you me. know, he's clearly near the end of his life. Soon I'm not going to have a dog. I know that. And it makes me very sad. So would this be the kind of pick-me-up I need if I didn't have a dog? Maybe. I don't know. So okay, that's my I report. Try it in the new year, Liz. Okay. okay. The other thing that I want you sisters to try, I hope you're on the cottage cheese comeback. Yes. Liz, have you have you eaten any cottage cheese? I did cheese? actually buy some two weeks okay. ago, Julie. Okay. The Lucerne brand at my uh, Pavilion's grocery store. Very tasty. And very tasty. As we've said, it is a very good source of protein and poor cottage cheese. It's being crowded out by Greek yogurt. It's harder to find. But when you think about it, Cottage cheese, you know, it has all the protein, but it doesn't have any of the sugar or the other additives that a lot of that, that you find in a lot of Greek yogurt. Leanne, are you eating cottage Leanne, cheese? Yes. Did you laugh? I did laugh. Like, like you when you think, it? when you use the phrase, when you think about it. Well, really, who's thinking about it that much? But <laughs> you're thinking about it, Julie. I am thinking oh. about cottage cheese. It's on my mind. I had it, Leanne, I had it for breakfast this morning. Yum. No, yesterday morning with pomegranate seeds on Perfect. a piece of toast. I combined oh. our two loves, toast and cottage cheese. <laughs> and pomegranate I saw... seeds. Sign me up. Yeah. Okay, I want you to try that, Leanne. But I also want to recommend a very good brand. It's called Good Culture. That's the name of it. It's organic cottage cheese. And you can go to goodculture.com. You can read all about Anders and Jesse. I don't know who they are, but they are making this very fine, high-quality cottage cheese. Um, it's all organic. The cows have never had a better life than the ones that uh, are on the farm with Anders and Jesse. Okay, and they but they make it in various flavors. And I tried the Kalamata olive cottage cheese. It comes in a little four-ounce cup. It is savory goodness, Leanne. I, oh, and that. Mm, I want you to try it. The, the taste of it, I thought it was going to be more cottage cheese with like an occasional olive. No, this is infused with the Kalamato uh, taste, olive taste. Savory goodness. Okay, the organic cottage cheese made by good culture. So that's my recommendation for this week. They have other flavors. Now I'm tempted. I'm going to try their pineapple cottage cheese. Because I, think I always disapproved of that. I don't know you why. Disapproved? Okay, well, what no. about a strawberry, strawberry chia cottage cheese? If you want something a little sweeter, that might be nice. Yeah. Um, I don't no, know. I like the savory. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they have on their website, they have a store locator. Um, it says up to 25-mile increments. So maybe you could get on your electric bike and head out and get some of this uh, good culture cottage cheese. Uh, this, but could, we, this could be we, my new life, getting on an electric bike and riding out to go buy organic cottage cheese. Who would have thought? Okay. So, and I like it because it's in small. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> and I'm still very skeptical. You're skeptical? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Reserving, reserving that. Julie, I can see that it's available at the Whole Foods Market near me and Bristol Farms. I, I've All used right. the store try, locator. Okay. Okay. Try the Kalamata olive um, uh, flavor, Leon. I know you're going to like it. And it comes in a small container. So you're not making... A big commitment. It's not a full pint of cottage cheese that you're committing to. <laughs> it's cottage so, cheese. It's not a big it's commitment. O- it's only four ounces. You can do this, people. I'm going to do it. I think it sounds delicious. 
Wow. All right. You heard it here. Uh, Coming up, Julie is going to take us back to North Korea. You know, she went there a couple of years ago. And last week, she couldn't join us on the show because she was at a special summit, uh, a legitimate summit on the state of North Korea. So a full report when we get back. And uh, we have three picks in a pan and another movie review. A lot of other fun things on the show. We're back. We're the Satellite Sisters. Thanks for joining us today. You can always find everything you need, all the links to things we mention on the show at SatelliteSisters.com. For every podcast we do, we do pretty complete show notes, don't we, girls? We try hard. It's a pain. Yeah, we do. do yeah. It. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be ingracious. It's not, it's, it takes a while to do those show notes. So if you're looking for something, that's the best place to start is SatelliteSisters.com. All right, Julie, take it away. You went to a special summit on North Korea. You're our North Korea expert here on the show, probably in all of the United States. You're clearly on a short list now. What, what's I don't happening there? Know, I don't know how I got invited to this uh, to this conference. The name, the entitlement, the title of the conference was "Light Through Darkness: A Forum on Freedom in North Korea," and it was held at the George W. Bush Institute, which is part of the Presidential Library here in Dallas, Texas. And the speakers for this uh, summit included President Bush, Mrs. Laura Bush, Senator Joe Lieberman from Connecticut, the former senator and former uh, Democratic vice presidential nominee, Senator Cory Gardner from Colorado, and as well as two leading um, foreign policy experts from Georgetown, Robert Gallucci and Victor Cha. Um, And it was a morning conference. And this, uh, the summary point is there's a lot of bad news about North Korea and only a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of good news. OK, so oh, I'm surprised there's any at all. So I that's mean, good. I, I, I really learned a lot at this. Um, this conference was for about 300 people, um, academics. There were other policymakers. There were a large number of people from the Korean American community. And for some reason, I was there as well because I made a girlfriend trip to North Korea. Um, it is true, though. You really didn't know why or how you were invited. So no, it I was like certain. someyone's monitoring your movements. OK, it's OK. <laughs> but I, so this this the conference had two parts. First of all, sort of a policy discussion on the security and human rights aspects of uh, North Korea. And the second part was they had two North Korean defectors. Uh, Young people that live here in the United States talk about their experience. So let's get to the bad news first. One of um, there was uh, uh, President um, Bush um, started it off. And, you know, I mean, his summary comment about North Korea, he said the whole country is a prison run by a sadistic warden. That's the way he described North Korea. Uh And he said that. He said one of the things that is now going on that, you know, I certainly wasn't aware of and I did. I did a lot of work and I've always monitored North Korea is now that North Korea is financing a lot of their a lot of their nuclear development through slavery. What they're doing is yeah, through slavery. Joe, uh, Joe Lieberman called it a slave state is what nation state is what he said, because what they are doing is they are exporting North Koreans to places in the Middle East and Southeast Asia for hard labor. They are just, you know, rounding up North Koreans, sending them to these work sites. They're doing hard labor and all of the revenue is going uh, to to the North Korean government. Oh my God. The same thing is as women, as women try to escape North Korea, they are then uh, enlisted in a sex trade and that they are using the female female uh, females that they capture trying to cross the border into China they are that's how they they sort of populate their sex trade again with all the revenues going to uh to their nuclear development so that so that is is not good so what the it what, seems though sorry Joel it seems like some of that then if you if you were a, another nation and you had north korean workers working in your country you would be able to identify that, right? And presumably right. you could do something about that if you wanted to. 
if you wanted to, but apparently they don't want to. So um, the two academics, Robert Gallucci and Victor Cha, both, as I said, from Georgetown, they said that, you know, when they used to work on North Korea, and both of them are leading experts on North Korea, they said they had like a human rights tract and they had a security track. So some of the academics and the policy people and the security analysts were working on security issues, and then a whole other group was working on human rights. Their paper that they presented at this conference, they said it is now so bad over there. The human rights situation is so bad because of what, this, what Kim Jong-un is willing to do to his people that they no longer believe that they can negotiate some separate security agreement. They said they could not trust this guy, you know, to, to enter into any kind of security discussions. You know, in the past, we have given them food in, uh, you know, in exchange that they slow down their nuclear development. But now that these, now now the academics are saying, no, that's all over. We cannot, he cannot be trusted at all. Uh, and that we've got to cut, you know, that that the human rights issue and the security uh, issue are just inextricably linked together, which is wow. which is not good. That's um, terrifying. Now, uh, uh, so where are they in their nuclear development? Well, this is uh, this is what I they, they have it. Uh, uh, Pro- Professor Gallucci, who used to head up the Georgetown School of Foreign Service and has worked and it works on North Korea now. He said the things that keep him awake he has three things that keep him awake at night. First of all is nuclear weapons. They have nuclear warheads. I, I had never heard anyone say that, but that's what he said at the conference. And they have short range missiles so they can now hit South Korea and they can hit uh, Japan with uh, nuclear warheads. He said they are working on their ICBM missiles. They don't have accuracy to hit the West Coast yet, but that is that is all coming, okay? That it's just a matter of time. They just have to perfect their ability to aim the rockets at the West Coast of the United States with nuclear warheads. Okay, so that's the only that's the first thing that he's worried about at night. Second thing is there, there's just, more. There's more. Yes, there I'm... is, and it's none of it's good. Is that the provocative behavior of Kim Jong Un? They said that he is just at any moment he could just be you know he could just go off and shed you know and send off a send off a rocket. I mean that he is just they cannot predict him at all and. That, you know, and that is he has many sleepless nights about that. And the third thing that he worries about is they are trans that again, because North Korea doesn't have they don't have regular they don't have any trade that, you know, they they have very little industry that they 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 are transferring their nuclear nuclear capabilities to countries like Syria. Um, and other bad guys. Now, they didn't mention ISIS per name, uh, uh, but I, that was certainly the inference, that they are you know, transferring their nuclear capabilities to other players and other terrorists around the world. So for money, that is, there's, uh, presumably for they're money. selling it's it for money. For rev- okay. Exactly, exactly. So all for revenue. So that, so that is a lot of bad news, okay? Um, yes. And uh, <laughs> particularly... For you sisters, I was, I was like, I mean, I, I just had never heard anyone speak so directly and bluntly about it. And that, um, I, it, you know, it just really, uh, you know, it really scared me a lot. Now, I actually t- thought those nuclear tests they were doing were more just bluster and show. I, you're oh. right. I didn't think they actually had warheads. Like, I, I didn't no, think they could actually do anything. Yep, I, I wrote those notes down. That's yep. what they said at this conference. Now, the tiny, tiny bit of good news is that there is rare bipartisan agreement in the uh, in the United States Congress about tough, tougher sanctions on on uh, North Korea. This is like the one area where uh, the two, sen- you know, the one senator and the one former senator said that. Everyone knows that we need to do something. Every, everyone knows that we need to, you know, continue to, uh, to contain and pressure this government because it's so bad and that we need to do more to stop the human rights uh, uh, abuses that are going on in this country. So if there was any silver lining, that um, that was part of it. 
Um, so that was the first hour of this of this conference. The second hour, they had two. Oh, they got all of that in one hour. That yeah, is it was. Wonderful. I mean, uh, yeah. I was as just one of my steady rant- stream of crap news, Liz. Yes. Just raining yes. terrible news. Yeah, there was. That's exactly. It wasn't one of these conferences where they start off with a lot of jokes or anything like that. They yeah. just really got. They had an excellent moderator. They just got to the heart of the matter. They were presenting this paper and this and these and getting uh, these leading policy people to uh, to react and provide comments. And they didn't take any question. They didn't they didn't have a question and answer period. The second the second hour of it was really devoted to two remarkable people. Um, These are young North Koreans that defected uh, from North Korea and now live in the United States. One was a student at Bard College um, in New York. Isn't that where I think Bard is in New York? And and the other student uh, uh, went to a a college on the West Coast. And while these two, um, you know, uh, one guy, one guy was was named Joe, the other one was Grace. While they didn't tell, tell you like, how they got out oh, of North okay. Korea. And then I was thinking about it afterwards, I'm sure for security, because uh, there are North Korean spies all over the place. And they certainly wouldn't want to disclose methods or people that assisted them in because it might jeopardize other people. Uh, mm-hmm. But Joe was, uh, was someone whose parents and grandparents died of starvation. And so he was... Oh. He was living on the street begging for money and he had so he had, you know, and food. So somehow he made it across the border into China uh, and uh, and somehow got hooked up with a, an American, uh, a Korean American working f- uh, uh, with a missionary group in China. And, you know, they they wanted to get him resettled in South Korea Um but as as Joe said, he said, I didn't know anyone in South Korea. He said he only knew one person who was this American. So he thought maybe it would be a good idea to come to America. I mean, and, and uh, Grace's story was similar. Her her mother, uh, Grace's father died of starvation. Three of her brothers died of starvation. And it was just her mother and grace and again they made they made the, they somehow escaped to china they were repatriated twice so they got caught in china sent back to north korea and did it again oh, i, I wow. she, didn't, oh my God. she didn't go into details but again she her decision to come to america rather than north the, than south korea because most of the north korean de- defectors go to south korea because of the language situation that they can speak korean there are about 30,000 north korean defectors living in south korea there are only about 200 defectors living in the united states but um Grace's mother somehow saw a newspaper article from Seattle, Washington, and she, although she couldn't really read it, she thought it looked really interesting, and so she thought that would be a better country for her to go to because she didn't want to be, she didn't want to stay in Korea because of all of the grief of losing her children and her husband, that she just felt like she could not even stay in that country. And I was just struck in both cases with these defectors. It was like a tiny thread of something, you know, because they knew so little about the outside world. Right, they're so cut off. They're I so think people far- here don't quite realize the extent to which they are just blacked out from news from the rest of the world. Yeah, so like a single newspaper article or a conversation with a missionary just they would made life decisions based on based on that just because that's all they knew you know and it was there you know there was you could not help but cry just listening to their courage their fortitude you know uh just trying to adjust to you know living in america which was so shocking to them just in terms of the size the scope the you know the grocery stores everything that we take for granted and grace was saying she was you know her mother didn't re- didn't really learn to speak english so she was like 10 years old and she was making all the decisions for the family because she at least was picking up english so she figured out 
Like, like she had to rent the apartment and, you know, wow, she was that young when they fled. Yeah. Imagine how terrifying. Yeah. So it was, it was an incredible, it was an incredible experience uh, to hear their story and to just, you know, uh, no matter, you know, what they do to, you know, to like starve people, to, to, you know, to, you know, to take away all of their human rights that you could, these people just had an urge and a, and a desire for something better in their life. And it's, it's just, they made, they made a remarkable journey and they're still doing it. So one of the other things that was announced at this conference was um, a scholarship program um, put together by Mrs. Laura Bush and members of the Korean American community that are here in the United States to help some of these young defectors get their education. So um, that was nice. That was that was a ray of hope um, with a very dark topic. So, um, and just a couple of final random thoughts. Uh, first of all, just as I mentioned before, show flow, Leanne. I know you like a program that starts on time, runs well. <laughs> this thing started at the stroke of nine o'clock and it was done at 11. I mean, I don't know. They, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, you know, the presidential experience or something like that, but it was outstanding. Well, wasn't that one of the hallmarks of President Bush is that he was always on time? Yes. Wasn't that it? After, you know, after Bill Clinton. If you went to the Clinton Library, maybe they they don't have the same amount of (laughs) show flow going on there. Secondly, just fascinating that there was no mention of President-elect Trump, that that was not the T word was not used. They referred to all of the panelists referred to the incoming administration or the next administration. But it was as if they got some notes uh, (laughs) that maybe the Bush family is still mad about the election. And so don't mention don't mention that word. I just, just thought it was sort of curious how they how indirect they were about that. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, just want to mention one of the other things about this presidential library is there is a whole farm to table restaurant there and they had super delicious mini (laughs) blueberry muffins and very (laughs) hot coffee, Leanne. I I didn't have enough time for that. Uh, And just finally, outside this auditorium, there is an unusually large mural, maybe a touch too large mural of George W. Bush and Tony Blair. I don't understand why they the scale. <laughs> but you always love Tony Blair. I know Tony, you love Tony Blair. Blair. I know Tony Blair loved President Bush, but it's giant. That's all I'm saying. It's it's a giant mural. Again, random thoughts, but all in all, a fascinating day. Not a lot of good news there, and obviously, this will be something uh, that. The incoming administration, shall we call it that? Yep, the yep. next administration is going to be dealing with. All right, yeah. Julie, good report. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Can you. I just add one quick thing on that? Because if you haven't listened to the episode where Julie tells us about her trip to North Korea, uh, you should, if you're interested in this at all. And it's super easy to find. If you go to SatelliteSisters.com and go to the Listen to the Shows page, that show is permanently posted on the left-hand column there. We have a, a couple of our greatest hits. Officer Rubbish is there and North Korea is there. So very easy to find, very easy to listen to, and you can get Julie's first-hand account of what it was actually like to be in North Korea, which, as I recall, Julie, you described even at the time time as the worst place on earth. Yes. And you've been, yeah. And you've been to some terrible places. Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly. And, okay. I noticed this week on the Facebook group, someone asked you about the tour group you went with and you said, I would not go to North Korea at this time. Yes. No, absolutely not. It's a, the situation has totally changed. It is, it is, that is unpredictable there. It would not be safe to travel there. Okay. But it, it is safe to travel to Stockholm. So if you're in the neighborhood and you want to go to the Nobel Prize, Prize this week, go ahead. Go to the ceremony. Now, you know, there was controversy. Bob Dylan won the Nobel Prize for Literature. I thought that was fine. I have no problem with that. I mean, they've given that Nobel Prize to, like, Swedish writers you've never heard of. So, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Like, you know, I was, I was, I mean, coming from a writer, that's very interesting. I'm not, I'm just saying like, I, it just doesn't have to be a novelist. Literature is what you make of it. Let's not overthink it. You know, it's just a bunch of Swedish people that decide the Nobel prize. It's, 
It's quite, it's a small group and clearly they just wanted to meet Bob Dylan. So they gave it to him, you know, well, guess what? Bob Dylan isn't even going to the ceremony. Okay. It's really something. Now I'm mad. You know, I didn't mad. Yeah. I wasn't mad that he won. Fine. Great. Bob Dylan, go to the ceremony, but to not go, how lame is that? I mean, I'm sure That's... he had a concert, whatever, Bob, I mean, figure it out. So, uh, and here's the thing. I did a lot of, um, uh, I did a lot of research on the Nobel Prize because in one of my books, Elizabeth, the first wife, the father wins the Nobel Prize in physics. So I had to sort of figure, and there was a whole scene that takes place at, in, at the Nobel Prize ceremony. So I had to oh, yes. do a lot uh -huh. of research and look at a lot of photos. And here's the thing you're missing, Bob. It's not just one night. It's a whole week, the Nobel Prize week there in uh in stockholm now they give the peace prize in copenhagen but they give all the other prizes in stockholm and so all the winners all week long do lectures like every nobel prize winner gives a lecture to the other nobel prize winners like, so you think bob dylan could learn a thing or he two could, if he he had could learn. he's yeah. missing out on that i mean what is that about yeah. and then and it's and it's i guess it's a lot of stress to prepare these things because again it's your nobel prize lecture so you really got to nail it and there are all these other nobel prize winners and all these people in the audience and then they have this white tie banquet that looks unbelievable and the you know the king of sweden's there the royal family everyone's wearing white tie and all dressed up and has medals on and it's it looks like a good week i <laughs> I don't know why he's going to miss it. <laughs> I can see why that sounds fun to you, Leah. Yeah. But there's nothing in Bob Dylan's past that would lead us to believe that that's fun for him. You know, I think he showed up at the Kennedy Honors, though. He's gotten a yes, few true. things. Did. Yes, he so, did. Yeah, this seemed like he really didn't have a good excuse. Yeah. I mean, Maybe he didn't like, even well, acknowledge it for like a week or say thanks. And then, you know, so he's really underthinking this. But you know who's going in his stead? And she is going to have a fantastic time. Patty Smith. Patty Smith that, is going. Okay, that's fantastic. And she that's is going perfect standing. She's gonna do a lecture. She is doing Bob Dylan's Nobel Prize lecture about the importance of role models, including signaling out several Nobel laureates who've inspired her. Patty Smith, we love her. You can understand her when yeah. she talks. She yeah. is actually a very, very fine writer. She writes prose and has had wonderful books out. I think they should just really double up and just give it to her. Just switch it out. And she should get the eight million kroner and not Bob Dylan. They really I'm want to be disruptive. Dump him. Dump yeah, Bob. Dump him. Let's we should start. Remember that we time. loved she wrote the first installment of her autobiography was that book called Just Kids, yeah, right? It's unbelievable. And it's so well written and fascinating. So I'm with you, Leanne. Patty Smith, switching my vote. Yeah. Do they do they recount it all at Nobel Prize? Or are there Jill, get Jill Stein to sue them and see if they'll do a recount. Yeah. And Patty Smith was just nominated for a Grammy because she has a new book out. So the audio version of her new book uh, was nominated for a Grammy today. So she wow. is she's in the zone. She's a much better representative of the singer songwriter community. She's she's gracious and lovely. You can understand her. Go Patty is what I say. Go Patty. <laughs> okay, in other travel news, uh, not really travel news, but I just had to make a switch there. Okay, this headline just, oh, it made my skin crawl, like literally. Okay, you know, what's the worst job in the world, Liz? Being a flight attendant, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I would say that. Like, I look at them and how hard they work. And I know. I just think, oh my God, I cannot imagine doing that job. That's right. I respect that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're responsible for the safety of a hundred passengers and also responsible for heating up their meal. Like those are two yeah. things that shouldn't go together, but they do. And you're trapped in a tin can and your skin gets very dry. So I think being a flight attendant would be a terrible job. Now, apparently American Airlines issued some new uniforms and uh, they've had over 1600 flight attendants report suspected uniforms reactions that include headaches, rashes, hives, burning skin, and eye irritation, itching, and respiratory problems from those, like, oh goofy scarves they have to wear. Oh, what did know, they make them of? <laughs> Hair I shirts? There was a real ballyhoo about uh, when they announced these new uniforms and they had included all the flight attendants in the, you know, design and they wanted more comfort and style. But yeah, it sounds like it's not working out that well. <laughs> no, so. it does. It sounds terrible. So they they 
haven't quite done a full recall, but they're on uh, they're on the verge of doing it. They said yeah. in the meantime they can wear their old uniforms, but as if it's not hard enough to be a flight attendant. Imagine being an itchy, hivey, <laughs> headachey, hard to breathe flight attendant. Not good. Not good, Liz. Uh, okay, I have one quick retail story before we get to Julie's picks and pans. This is if we have breaking cottage cheese news. Well, I would like to say we have breaking grocery store news too. So uh, Amazon announced yesterday that they're testing a couple of new what they're calling grab and go stores, and the idea here is that you don't have to pay. There's no standing in line. You just go in, you get whatever you want, and you leave. And somehow Amazon knows what you have, and they bill you for it. So um, really? this was fascinating. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, so explain. They, not exactly. I mean, you do have to pay. Let's explain how Well, okay, I'll explain. You have an app on your phone. but So they're testing. They already have one of these running in Seattle, Leon, and it's in. It's at like the ground floor of their headquarters. So right now, only people that work at Amazon are allowed to shop there. But you can go. You can pick up drinks, prepared meals, and other items. And then you just walk out without having to wait in a checkout line because you have a smartphone app. Okay. Uh, they've okay. already downloaded, and the uh, they have all kinds of other technology that is basically following you around and and reading what you have in yeah. your cart. Yeah. So so they're they're testing that, uh, and that and ultimately they want that to be a store where you could go in and get what they describe as chef made meal kits with ingredients for quickly preparing dinners at home. Which is good for Amazon employees because they only get home about an hour a day from what we have. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would go very nicely in their electric bikes, Liz. I thought they could just put those little kids in the bikes. Go. Yeah, and they're okay. So there, there's another con. So the app is going to be called Amazon Go. And then they have another concept they're working on where you would order your food items online and then pick them up quickly by just pulling into a parking stall. So they're, they have two stores that they're building in Seattle to test that. And they're just trying various things because they want to know how do people really behave. And they have determined over time, you know, Amazon, last year, do you know they did $135 billion, with a B, billion dollars in sales. Uh, but sort of grocery items, these kinds of items are the hardest things to do online. That's why they're trying to figure out other ways to to sell food. So that would be two things, the the grab and go and then the order it online and just pull in and pick it up. So all in the testing. And I was just thinking, Leanne, you love grocery shopping. Yeah. Or you have you have often said that, you know, a possible career for you would be to invent your own little grocery store. Does this appeal to you or does this take the fun out of it? Or what's your reaction to no checkout line? Just grab and go. You know, I have noticed the margins at grocery stores are very, very small. That's what they tell me about the grocery business, right? So I've noticed that lines are getting longer and longer and longer because there are fewer and fewer people. And wait for it, people. When you all are bringing your own bags, it's going to take forever. I hate to keep harping on that. So it is sort of appealing to me. I am spending so much more time in lines than I used to. It sucked the pleasure out of it for me, Liz. There's your grocery mm-hmm. store. I can't tell you how many times I leave the grocery store furious now. <laughs> Just the bagging situation. Okay. So this is actually sort of appealing to me. I mean, I like to go look at the food. So it would be hard for me to order online and go pick it up. Like, if I'm going to physically go to the store, I'll probably go in. But the grab-and-goes, I can kind of see. It's not really how I eat or shop, but for other people, sure. Like, I think they need to figure out the grocery store business because it's a disaster. Like, the just it all bottlenecks up at that checkout, and that's not working. We had one grocery store we had in town had self-checkout. After two years, people had finally figured out how to do those self-checkout machines, which are impossible. Like, please scan your item. Please scan your item. That's what I worry about. How do you feel about the grab and go? Well, that's, I, I, I think it's I like the self-checkout. It's going to take a long time for, you know, to develop operator competence, you know, to just put your cell phone in the right place to be able to grab and go. I can see that that could just totally back up there in the same way that the self-checkout uh, backs up all the time, you know, that you always need employees to help you rescan something right. or reset it and stuff. So, um 
Uh, but might as well try it. Yeah, I hate, hate standing in uh, checkout lines. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. So anything that could improve that. But it doesn't sound like it's grocery shopping. It sounds like it's more, yeah. you know, uh, what, she, what Sheila eats. Yeah, yeah. it seems like it's, it's takeout yeah. food. Yeah, it's takeout food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they also haven't figured out how to handle shoplifting. Right. I mean, they'd have to have a lot of people just standing at the doors chasing people into right. the parking lot. Right? You could yeah. swarm and, the store. You could just swarm it. Yeah. Like 10 of you just go in and just start <laughs> taking things and then run out. I mean, that seems pretty obvious. Well, people cheat it, now with the self-scanning that, that they're really surprised that a lot of people, for whatever reason, that would never think of stealing a grocery store item somehow when they're at the self-scanner. Oh, really? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, really? oh, yeah. They're stealing stuff there. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Because our store finally, after two years, they had taught us to do it. And now they took it out and just made Starbucks bigger. They just gave up. They're like, forget it. They, they, they it's now a bigger margin on the coffee. Gigantic Starbucks and like two, two uh, aisles. Hey, to scan maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. We yeah, still have. Maybe that is tips. why. Oh, that is yeah. interesting because they wouldn't. Every single person says, why did you take out the self-checkout? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. So hmm, there you go. Yeah. Well, here's my fear. My fear is that I would get into the habit of just walking out without paying and then go to a store where that is not the way they run. And then you really are getting chased into the parking lot just because you have forgotten to pay. So, you know, human beings take a long time to change their behavior. Right. So, but once I learn to just walk out without paying, I'm not sure I'm going to want to stop at all ever for anything. So that would be a challenge. And they said they also have to figure out how to ID people if they're buying alcohol, because obviously you can't have that. Right. Oh, that yeah. was the other holdup at the self-checkout. You couldn't do <laughs> yeah. alcohol there. So, yeah. All right. Well, good luck, Amazon. It's, it's, it's a noble, <laughs> noble ambition. Good luck. Good luck. Um, it's time for Picks and Pans. And this week, sisters, I have three picks, no pants. It's the holiday season. Well, I have two picks, actually, and, uh, and a tip. Two picks and a dip. Okay. <laughs> okay. If I can be specific. Woo! Whatever you want to call them, that's yeah. fine. Okay. So here are my two books, picks. These are for books that I think are going to be great over the holiday season. It's getting a little colder. Maybe you want to sit around and read, you know, some satisfying books. I want to recommend A Gentleman in Moscow by uh, Amar Tolls. Do you know this story? It is, it is a story of a man set in 1922 in Moscow, Russia. And he is an, an aristocrat when the Bolsheviks come in and he gets prisoned. His prison sentence is he cannot leave the Metropole Hotel in Moscow, Russia. He has to stay there. That's they get, you know, for whatever reason, he, he cannot leave the premises. And so he spends the rest of his life living in the hotel, never leaving. And this is his story. And at first you think, well, I, well, I don't This is know. fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. This is fiction, <laughs> but it's really rooted in all the you know, historic things that have gone on, that go on between like 1922 through like Khrushchev, 19, late 1950s. So it's a fascinating period. If you're at all interested in Russia, this is really well done. Um, and uh, it's a very thoughtful book. And each scene is, you know, really... You know, you just grow in your appreciation of the characters and of the scenes. And I think you both would like it. And I would recommend it to others. Okay. So that's my first pick, A Gentleman in Moscow. Second pick is um, Ann Patchell's new book, Commonwealth. Oh, okay. Ann Patchett. Yeah. Now, did I say her name right? Patchett. 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 No, I, I forgot to cross my T's. That's on my okay. Notes, so it looks <laughs> She's like She's a Patchett. good writer. She's a great one of She's my favorites. She's a very good writer. Yeah. And the reason I like this book is it's a story essentially of sibling relationships. And if you grew up in the 60s and 70s, and if you were sort of unsupervised by your parents, and if any of your childhood resembled the Lord of the Flies, I think you will, re you will really relate to this book. So it is the story. You're talking about us then. That's pretty yeah, much Yeah, I was talking about us. That we had a touch of Lord of the Flies growing up, and that we had large periods of time where we were unsupervised, yeah. and that there were... Yeah. So I think that part of the book is just was uh, just really resonated with me. It's really well written. Um, I again, I think I think Satellite Sisters would really enjoy this book. That's called Camp Commonwealth 
by Ann Patchett, not Patchell. It's <laughs> okay. That's okay, Joel. That's funny. I wrote that. I know. And my third is a tip, which is a movie, Manchester by the Sea. Now, have uh, have you? I'm not going to give a review of this because that's impossible to do. I'm not even recommending that you go to it uh, because I, I don't think that's even appropriate. I just want to give you a tip that if you go <laughs> yeah. to it, if you go to it. I saw it, so I'm interested to hear your tip. Which is, uh, I, I, please, don't go alone if you, if you can avoid that. And if you do go alone, you should definitely schedule some human contact after seeing this movie. <laughs> Wouldn't you say, Liz? Would yes. that be appropriate? I mean, yes. or animal, or, or get talk, you know, or spend a lot of time with your cat, your dog, or something. That this is, um, it's certainly a movie that I expect will win many awards. There's so many outs, outstanding, you know, actors and and uh, characters in this, but it, it's devastating. Uh, uh, wouldn't okay, you say? Okay, no, don't, yeah. don't. I so want to see that's this, it. and I feel so like if I have one tip. more conversation about it, I won't go because I'll know too much. With no, Liz, I'm not going to tell you anything about the story. <laughs> okay. That's my only tip: is just make sure you that's schedule good. sort of bookend on either side of the actual movie going experience some human or animal contact. Yeah. Right. It's a it's a heartbreaker for sure. But I would say it's because the writing is so perfect and the performances are so perfect. Yeah. So yeah. I find the right moment to go. Yes. See it OK, that's a good tip. So that's it. Uh, Two picks and a tip. OK. All right. Well, I have a movie, uh, not so much of a review, but just some reportage I've been doing here around Hollywood because, you know, in Los Angeles, as we often say, uh, we don't have the normal seasons that you have summer, winter, fall, spring. It's so hot and dry here all the time. We basically have summer and then we have fire, but then we also get a third bonus season that is awards season. Yay! Yay! Award season means when everyone is starting to campaign for Golden Globe nominations, which come out this month, or Oscar nominations, which come out next month, not only are all the good movies at all the movie theaters all over town, but many of them are either preceded by a panel or a panel follows them so that you can see a movie and then you can do a Q&A with the cast or do a Q&A with the producers. And that's so that they can get all the voting members of whatever academy to go and sort of meet the people behind the movie. So if you're reading the movie listings in L.A., I sort of scan for those things because I think it's really interesting to see a movie and then hear from the people that made the movie. Um, so that's what I did the other night with Jackie. So, Jackie, you've probably seen all of the advertising all over. It's Natalie Portman as Jackie Kennedy. And they were doing a screening the other night that included a Q&A afterwards with the screenwriter, really an interesting guy. His name is Noah Oppenheim. He is currently, he runs the Today Show. Like, here's a, that's what, his, he has a day job. He's the, like, big boss at the Today Show. Uh, but he, he wrote this screenplay quite a while ago and then it sort of drifted around and never got made until now. The director is a Chilean named Pablo Lorraine. So the two of them spoke after the movie as well as Pablo's brother, who was one of the producers. So here's what I would say about the movie, just my sort of thumbnail, not a review, but description it was very different than I thought. It's not a traditional biopic at all. And it really explores what Jackie did in her moments alone. Like when she was alone in Air Force One or alone in the White House over those days. It is really like just super close up. Even the, you know, his directorial style, the cinematography, you're always like super close to her face and super looking over her shoulder. And it's like you are just in her head and in her life. And uh, one of the things the director said about his approach to that, because it's sort of, 
it means it's fiction, by the way, right? So they've written most of these scenes. They don't know what she ever really did when she was alone. So this is what Noah Oppenheim wrote. It's like, what would she have been doing in the White House like the night after? You know, what would those moments have been like when she was just by herself without her husband and her kids were off in the nursery? And one thing the director said, um, and she does some weird things. And the director says, well, we're all weird if we're just followed around when we're alone. And I thought about that and I thought, well, I guess that's true. I just, if I just take yesterday and if camera had been following me all day yesterday, yeah, that's not really a drama. It's just doing weird things. So that's, it's a very unique approach he has taken to it. So that's why I'm saying it's not really like, here's the story of what happened in the week after the assassination. It doesn't feel like that at all. It really feels like you're in her and in many of the scenes she's just alone and i can't imagine in real life she was left alone very much so they just made the choice in the screenplay and the way they directed it to have her be really alone most of the time but then you also see you see the assassination and again in some very up close kind of way because the director and the screenwriter said i wanted to imagine what it really felt like sitting there right next to him and so visually and in the way they they tell the story you get a very different view of that than you've ever seen before some of it is very hard to look at as you can imagine um anyway so it would i i obviously what everyone is talking about in this movie is the performance of uh, of natalie portman and how she truly captures jackie kennedy I don't really remember Jackie Kennedy or what she was like, how she behaved, but I'll take people's word for it. This is, it's really a spectacular performance. So I would recommend it from that point of view. Um, there are a few things in there that you're like, how could, could that, there's no way that happened. So it was actually kind of helpful to hear the director and the writer say afterwards, yeah, well, we made that up. Yeah, that, we were just imagining. Nobody knows what happened during those two hours. So we just imagined that. So I would, it's I would recommend seeing this movie. It's it's really just a very singular portrait of a very singular person. It's not so much here's the week that was. You know what I mean? Okay. Got so, it. Check. Got so it. See it. I would, you know Okay. Good. That's a good good review. If that, tip. if that interests you. And and it was also I've you know they they shot the whole thing in Paris because that's where Natalie Portman was living, which was also interesting to me, how they could make Paris look like Washington, D.C., but most of the time it really does. So uh, they managed to pull that off. I can't imagine she's not going to win the Oscar for this. I can't, I can't oh. you know, I can't imagine it. Uh, but then I haven't seen all the other movies. So there you have it. I'm not sure I'm, I don't know. Are you guys interested in seeing that movie? I was I was interested until this uh, commentary. No, I, I yeah, that to me, yeah, it's one I might go to alone. It's definitely a rental. I would definitely be interested yeah. in a rental situation. But I've been yeah. thinking a lot about that book. Remember when we talked to Sally Bedell Smith about uh-huh. her book about Jackie Kennedy and living in the White House? I've just been thinking a lot about that lately, um, you know, because what we learned in that book is she spent a lot of time away from the White House. Remember, she would remember right. she would she like Virginia escape to Virginia for like months at a time because, you know, with the new administration, there's been some critique of that. And I was like, I think there are a lot of first ladies that didn't spend a lot of time in the White House, but no one knew about it or really remembered. And now we have this 24 seven coverage. So uh, I thought that was a good book. So I was sort of interested in seeing this. All right, Liz. OK, yeah, I would recommend it. And by the way, the director um, is Chilean. And I think maybe the fact that he is not an American did give him a different kind of perspective on this story and the emotions around this story than you might have had if an American made them. Uh, even though an American wrote the script, there's just a really interesting distance here. It's very close and very far away. I cannot explain. So okay. there we go. I don't know if that was helpful at all, but very I helpful. I wasn't interested in seeing it, but now oh, I'm you should see it, Julie. You would really like it. Okay. I think you would appreciate it, but it's okay. But it's, but much like Manchester by the Sea, it's it's not fun. Yeah, but it's but it's fascinating. All right, that's okay. So I'll just leave it there. <laughs> 
All right, we're the Satellite Sisters. Um, just quickly, I'll put this link up at Satellite Sisters website from Grown and Flown, um, which is a really good website if you have kids that are in high school or college or grown and flown. The idea is that parenting never ends. Um, but they have a lot of good tips. So I saw this across the Twitter feed today. 31 ideas for college kids that will get them off the couch and out of the doghouse during winter break. You know, it's like a month that they have to kill. So it can feel like a long time, I understand. My son only has three weeks, so it won't feel as long. Uh, But, you know, there's the usual update your resume, create a LinkedIn profile, all things you would have to nag them about. So that would be terrible. Right. Right. Like okay, you spent four years. Yeah. Four years snagging them in high school. I just don't really want to do it now. But here's a couple I thought, well, these are good. All right. Make them take the car in for servicing. That's a good idea. I hate taking the car. in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, make them sit there. Good yeah. idea. Liam. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a good one. How about this? Get a certification. And Liz, this could be good for you. Look at the Reb Cross. Or the YMCA. See if you can get CPR, first aid, or or lifeguarding. Do a quick lifeguarding class, Liz, over the Christmas break. (laughs) Now, there's a job for you, Liz. (laughs) You know, I have actually thought that, Julie, because I've been going to the Santa Monica College pool a lot. And the lifeguards they have there are across the entire age range. They actually have lifeguards there who are my age. And so, you know, some people fantasize about being a barista. I would much rather be a lifeguard. Yeah, I hear you. Well, think about it, Liz. Get a certificate over the break. Check out your local Red Cross or YMCA. And then finally, give your dog a bath. Okay, that's another good one. Get the car serviced, become a lifeguard, and get your dog a bath. That's a good week or a good month of holiday breaks. But there are 31 tips, so I'll post this uh, at SatelliteSisters.com. All right, sisters, we should wrap up. Just a reminder, we'd like to thank Harry's again for supporting Satellite Sisters. And All right, anyone doing anything fun this week? Nope. Well, nope. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Hairspray Live on TV tomorrow oh, night. Oh, me too. Oh, me yeah, too. Yeah. Me too. Don't forget, yeah. when, Wednesday night on NBC, Hairspray Live. That looks like that's going to be awesome. It does. And a fun. little cup of cottage cheese with pineapple. You might want to try <laughs> it. Be a nice evening snack. All protein. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.